Father in heaven, I thank you for this opportunity to come before your people to give a message. I ask that you please guide me now, use me as your mouthpiece, and uh, just may this be from you, and that we may all learn something from it and take it away uh, today. I ask for your will to be done, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. The title of the sermon is, Do This in Remembrance of Me. As far as I recall, this is the only thing that Jesus has asked us to do in remembrance of him. God does everything for a reason. He's not the author of confusion. He just doesn't do things willy-nilly. There's always a purpose behind everything that he asks us to do. Going back to Egypt, when God delivered the children of Israel, the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And to keep the children of Israel from suffering from this plague, he said that they had to slay a lamb and cover the doorposts with the blood of the lamb. So when the destroying angel came, they would pass, the destroying angel would pass over the houses that had the blood. Hence, representing uh, us being covered by Jesus' blood. So, the children of Israel were instructed to continue to keep the Passover feast to remember that God was the one who delivered them. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to start at verse 3. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This, this day came ye out in the month Abib. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the, Hitt- the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread. And in the, seventh, uh, in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall be no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me, when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth, for with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. 
So after the children of Israel are delivered, God establishes the Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They were not to eat any bread that had yeast in it because the yeast or leaven represented sin. So they were not supposed to have any bread with yeast in it for seven days. And when they had the Passover feast, they had unleavened bread. The purpose of them doing this was to keep in mind that God is the one who delivered them out of bondage. So that they did not forget that God is the one who took care of them. That God is the one who delivered them. That was the purpose of them keeping this feast. So every time they had this feast, they would go over the story of the Exodus. God brought them out with a mighty hand. So, Jesus, when, he is, uh, when the Passover feast is coming around again, Jesus gathers the disciples and they go up to the upper room. They're about to partake in the Passover feast. Starting with the foot washing. Now, every single part of this communion service has a very strong significance behind it. There's reasons why we do these things. So the purpose of this sermon today is to look a little bit deeper, see what it's all about. So starting with the foot washing, let's go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, we're going to start at verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, and that he should depart out of, his, out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas is it. Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he has come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. So, Looking at what we just read, it was a common custom before you ate, back in those days, that you would have a servant wash your feet. They wore sandals back then, and walking through the dusty roads, your feet would get plenty dirty. But there was no servant present in the upper room. Jesus was there with the disciples, waiting to see if one of them would step up and take the part of a servant. Notice, nobody does. So through Jesus' love, gets up, pours the water into the basin, girds himself with the towel, and he starts performing the foot washing. The Son of God humbled himself to take the lowest job that not even the disciples wanted. They were filled with pride and envy and jealousy between each other. 
So Jesus started to show them what it was like to be a servant. Verse 6. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. So as Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, he comes across Peter, and Peter is humbled. His Lord is bowing down to wash his feet, and he says, Lord, you are not supposed to wash my feet. And Jesus says to him, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any part with me. See, there was more behind the foot washing service than just washing their feet. Jesus was trying to cleanse them internally, not just externally. Trying to get them to remove the pride and the jealousy that they had by beholding their Lord humbling themselves, humbling himself and washing their feet. So through this process, Jesus was initially cleansing them from the inside out. But that last part says, and ye are clean, but not all. If you remember, we read earlier, Judas, part of the twelve, had decided then that he was going to betray the Son of God. So he had closed off Jesus from cleaning the inside. But the rest of the eleven had that humbling experience, which was necessary. For he knew he should betray him, therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment... And was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. So Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm setting an example for you. If I could wash your feet, you're not greater than I am. You need to be able to humble yourselves to wash each other's feet. Not only that, but if you look at everything, Judas, Jesus knew what Judas was up to. And he still washed his enemy's feet. How much more humble can you be? If you could wash your enemy's feet, It can't get any more humbling than that. So Jesus set the example. 
When we perform the foot washing service, we are to humble ourselves. We are to remove pride from ourselves as we partake in this uh, ceremony. There's a quote in Desire of Ages that I would like to read. These words mean more than bodily cleanliness. Christ is still speaking in the higher cleansing as illustrated by the lower. He who came from the bath was clean, but the sandaled feet soon became dusty and again needed to be washed. So Peter and his brethren had been washed in the great fountain owned for, owned for sin and uncleanness. Christ acknowledged them as his, but temptation had led them into evil and they still needed his cleansing grace. When Jesus girded himself with a towel to wash the dust from their feet, he desired by that very act to wash the alienation, jealousy, and pride from their hearts. This was of far more consequence than the washing of their dusty feet. With the spirit they had, not one of them was prepared for communion with Christ. Until brought into a state of humility and love, they were not prepared to partake of the Paschal Supper or to share in the memorial service with Christ, which Christ was about to institute. Their hearts must be cleansed, pride and self-seeking, create dissension and hatred. But all this Jesus washed away in washing their feet. A change of feeling was brought about. Now with subdued and grateful hearts, they could receive Christ's words. So Jesus saw what was going on on the inside. And before he can institute the Lord's Supper, or the communion, they had to be cleansed on the inside before they could partake in this. Now, the breaking of the bread. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 says, And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. If we could turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, starting at verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He brought he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who, ha- who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession intercession for the transgressors. A prophecy by the prophet Isaiah about our Lord Jesus. Carrying our sorrows, by his stripes we are healed. Jesus came in the bodily form of a human being to bear our iniquities. His body was beaten He was tortured for our sakes. So Jesus says, when he took the bread and break it and gave unto them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Jesus went through the trials and the cross for us. Not for himself, but for sinners. Now the drinking of the wine. Matthew 26 and verse 27. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I've talked about the uh, ceremonial laws, the sacrificial system before, which was a type pointing to the antitype. Jesus was the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. So the purpose of the sacrificial system was to point to the Savior to come, to show what he was going to do for us. This is why he is called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because during the sacrificial system, they were to lay their hand on the lamb, confessing their sins, and then they would have to slit the lamb's throat, and the lamb's blood would be brought into the sanctuary. 
Hebrews 9.28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And Hebrews 10.1, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, speaking of the ceremonial laws, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So what Paul's saying here is that the sacrificial system was not going to perfect the sinner. It was just temporary until the Messiah would come. And verse 4, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Only Jesus can take away sins. When John proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, that is exactly what it means. Only through his sacrifice are we saved. Matthew 6 and verse 29 says, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So after Jesus breaks the bread, after he administers the wine, he says this, which is a promise. Until that day when I, uh, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That is a promise that he will return again. So he will not partake of the grape juice again until we all make it into heaven. So part of the communion service is not only to keep a reminder in uh, our minds of what Jesus has done for us, but is also to give us a reminder of the hope that he will return. So there's a lot behind the communion service. It's not just about washing somebody's feet. It's not just about eating some unleavened bread and drinking some grape juice. There's meanings behind this. The foot washing is a humbling experience. We are to search our souls and try and uh, confess any unconfessed sins and humble ourselves before the Lord. Then when we partake of the bread and the wine, we are remembering what Christ has done for us. For without his sacrifice, we cannot be saved. And at the end, we keep in mind that he made a promise that he will return for us. Desire of Ages again says, The communion service points to Christ's second coming. It was designed to keep this hope vivid in the minds of the disciples. Whenever they met together to commemorate his death, they, count, they recounted how he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of his fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In their tribulation they found comfort in the hope of their Lord's return. Unspeakably uh, precious to them was the thought as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, 
ye do show the Lord's death till he come. 1 Corinthians 11:26. These are the things we are never to forget. The love of Jesus with its constraining power is to be kept fresh in our memory. Christ has instituted this service that it may speak to our sense of the love of God that has been expressed in our behalf. There can be no union between our souls and God except through Christ. So we're going to break for our foot washing, but before we break, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this communion service. I ask that you please bless each and every one of us as we partake. Help us to search out our hearts that there may be no unconfessed sins before you. Please continue to help us to humble ourselves before you, Lord, and bless us during this service. I thank you, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.